0: Nobody in my family is a Christian. I'm sorry about that. Have you tried talking to them? Yeah, I was gonna tell my sister about Jesus one time, and she was downstairs using the computer. So I went down and I was gonna tell her about Jesus, but all that came out was, can I use the computer? I have a Bible verse about that. Would you like me to go get it? Yeah, that'd be a great help. Adrian! Did you hear that Kevin just wrecked a brand new Honda? No! Oh man, he had it coming. I knew this was going to happen. He so deserved it. He is a terrible driver. He is awful. I think it's a bunch of crap when he bought that car. All he did was talk about that car all the time. It was ridiculous. I'm glad. I hear you on that one, huh Well, anyway, I have that Bible verse for you. 2 Timothy 4, 2. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Okay. Amen. James chapter one. Go ahead and turn there as I write up the exciting title of the book of James. James chapter one. That's right. Believe it or not, I was actually, I'm telling you, I was actually kind of pre-looking, previewing chapter two. Huh? Yeah. It's just it's exciting just to say it. Two. Let's say that together, shall we? Two. Two. Chapter two. Yeah, whatever. But uh, let's take a look there. James chapter 1, grabbing the context as always. Once again, let's take a look at what's going on there. The acid test. So we're on the third one, of course. And uh, here's what we're going to... Let's go ahead and get down into uh, verse 22. Verse 22. And let's finish it out. He says there, first of all, when you get there, say moo. Moo. All right. So here it says, uh, verse 22, do not merely listen to the word. Why? Because if that's all you do and it doesn't penetrate, nothing happens, what happens? You deceive yourself. Okay, do what it says. Why? Because anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the where? The mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and he immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently, wait till we get to that, into the perfect law that gives freedoms for your good and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, uh, he will be blessed in what he does. In fact, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he what? Says it again. He deceives himself, and his religion is wonderful. Oh, I'm sorry, worthless. Is what it says there. Uh, and once again, we're taking a look at the acid test, the acid test in the book of James, that's what it's all about. The first book, as far as we can tell, in the New Testament, and it certainly makes sense when you see the theme, is the acid test. God does not want a false witness and a false Jesus and a false gospel going out into the world. Hello, OK, He wants the true one. The truth sets you free, not the falsehood. Okay, and the first acid test is what do you do with your trials, okay? If you walk away from Jesus in your trials and say, I become an atheist, etc., blah, blah, blah. Remember last week we read that guy, I was a, a charismatic preacher for 25 years, and now he's heading up an atheistic club to get other pastors who are also atheists out of the pulpit and join him? What, what's the Bible say? He lost his salvation. No, no. You were never a Christian in the first place. First John 2. Okay, so what do you do with your trials? That's your first acid test. How do you handle them? Okay. Uh, the second one we saw is how do you handle temptation or sin? Is that your attitude? Do you blame God for your sin? It's not my fault. You may be this way. Do you blame other people for your sin? Or do you own up to your sin? A true Christian owns up to your sin because it gives a proper uh, testimony of salvation. Because in order to be saved, you have to first what? Own up to your sin. And it gives a great movie preview, if you will, of the world to come that God has prepared for his children. And that is a world without sin. So Christians not only come through their trials still loving Jesus, even with joy. True Christians also, they continue uh, to deal with their sin. They take seriousness about their sin. Okay. Uh, Number three, we saw, well, how do you handle God's word? And that's the the scripture. What's your attitude towards that? And we saw James says, don't deceive yourself. Here's some aspects you can expect of a true born-again Christian. You're a good listener of God's word. You're a good sponge of God's word. You're a good follower of God's word. And you're a good channel of God's word. And that's where we saw the exciting um, uh, analogy in the Greek uh, of the earwax. How many guys after that study went home and went, and you did? Yeah, Praise God for Mickey's honesty. Give it up for Mickey. That's awesome. It does make you wonder. I've always wanted that. When somebody starts talking about earwax to you, you want to go to the mirror. <laughs> right? and, uh, but we saw that. that we said that you're a good channel. You're A Christian, you don't just listen. You don't just take up God's word, sponge it up. And you don't just follow it. Uh, you do whatever it takes to become a good channel. Okay? Sin clogs you up from hearing God's word. That's what he was talking about. And so if you really love God's word, then you're going to do anything you can to get rid of the sin so it doesn't block you from being a, a good channel of God's word. Now we get to the fifth one. Okay, and that is you are also, if you're a true born-again Christian, here's what you can expect. You're a good reflection of God's Word. You're a good reflection of God's Word. Verse 22, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Why? Well, he gives us an analogy. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says, here's what he's like. He's like a guy who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. The Greek actually says this, Moreover, keep on, okay, it's a continual thing, keep on becoming doers of the word and stop, right now, stop being just hearers only, reasoning yourselves into a false premise and thus deceiving yourself. Because, as is the case, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, this man... This one is like a man attentively considering in a mirror the face with which he was born. Literally his natural face, what he looks like. For he took one look at himself and was off. And he immediately forgot what sort of person he was. But he who with eagerness and concentration has poured over the perfect law. Do you see that? Do you see the difference there? Poured over the perfect law, the law of liberty, and has continued in it, not having been a hearer that forgets, but a doer who works, this person shall be prospered spiritually in his doing. Okay? Now we get to the reason why. Why do you not want to be just a listener of the word? Okay? And you want to be a doer of the word. Okay? And he says there, because you are going to be deceived. And we've been seeing that already. But now he tells us why. And he gives us an analogy to understand why this is important. And he basically says, it has to do with your reflection. When you look into God's word and you see your reflection of what you are, what you've been doing, all that stuff, right? Because God's word points that out, doesn't it? How you react to God's word pointing it out now tells you if you're real or not. Your reaction to your reflection. He says, "There, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says, he's like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So he points it out and he says this, a fake Christian looks into the mirror. A fake Christian Looks into the Word of God, looks into the Bible, and literally forgets what he saw, and just walks away. That's what you expect from a non-Christian, okay? And but the man who looks intently at the perfect law of the Bible, okay, he has a different uh, issue. Okay, he looks into this baby uh, with intent. We'll get to that in a second. So the fake Christian goes into the Bible. He could be sitting in a sermon, maybe even a Bible study. Dare I say, unfortunately, even preaching a sermon from the pulpit. Looks intently at the, the word of God there. Has his identity illuminated to him. Here's what you're doing. You need to knock it off. Don't do this. That doesn't reflect God. God is holy. He is holy. He is holy. Be ye holy because I am holy. God points that out. And the fake Christian. Pays no attention to it. Walks away. Okay. and But he says the true Christian. He looks into the mirror of God's law. He remembers what he saw. He takes note of it. Okay. And he's blessed because he puts it into action. It's a dichotomy. True, fake, Here's how the fake react to the reflection. Here's how the true react to the f- reflection. And again, this guy who's looking at it, the true Christian, it's not some casual glance. Again, here's what the Greek says. He looks into the perfect law that gives freedom. Okay, notice it says, that that's the key word. The perfect law of what? Freedom. What does that mean? God's word is for our good. It leads to freedom. Freedom. So you flip it around. Not obeying God's Word leads to what's the opposite of freedom? Bondage. And yet, isn't that like the world? They got it completely twisted around. Well, how many times have you heard this from youngsters, right? Well, I know I probably need to follow Jesus and whatever, but, you know, I'm just, I want to have some fun for a little while. Maybe when I get older, like you, who has no life, you know, then I'll follow God's Word. Now, really, what is that attitude saying? That's so prevalent, unfortunately. Somehow following God's law doesn't lead to freedom. And that the real freedom, you need to sow your oats, so to speak, is go out there in the world. That's freedom. And then I'll enter into that system of bondage, of do's and don'ts. Now what the Bible says, it says it's a law of freedom. Okay. Anybody ever get burned by sin? Anybody ever have a great idea you thought was absolutely wonderful and it turned out to be ungodly and it, was, it worked out great for you, didn't it? No. And one trouble to the next trouble to the next trouble. Following the world's way is bondage. Following God's law is freedom. The has got it twisted around. Now, we know that as Christians, right? So that's what you'd expect. The Christian looks into, and they consider God's Bible. And I think that's why it says there he's looking at it intently, serious concentration. Because he knows when he's looking into this, this book is for my good. He's not, you expect a fake Christian to have this. Oh, yeah, whatever, bunch of do's and don'ts. I'm not doing that. That's not what you expect from a Christian. A Christian knows that this book is a law of freedom. Okay, all that just from that word. Okay, he doesn't forget what he's heard, and he does it. So this is no casual glaze that's going on there. The word there, intently, is kind of a neat word in the Greek, Parakupto. Let's say that, right? And that's those Russian paratroopers when they land and... No, it's not. I know you guys are thinking that's not. No, it means to... Listen to this. This is not just some casual glance. This is what you would expect from the Christian. It's to stoop to a thing in order to look at it. To look at something with the head bowed forward, to carefully look at something, right? I mean, you're really investigating this thing. This is no casual glance. This guy's taking a really good, uh, concerted, heartfelt uh, look at God's Word. He is staring at this thing terribly. He is carefully looking at this thing, and he's seen himself. He's seen his reflection. He's not seen his reflection and running like the other way. He's seen it, and sometimes when you look into God's Word, it convicts you, doesn't it? So what do you do, run from that reflection? No, you keep looking at it because you're going to, oh, oh, thank you, God. Thank you for pointing that out. Whoa, I'm going to, I'm going to put it into action. And what's the text say? And he's going to be tortured by it and he's going to be blessed by it. This person is getting in there. I don't care. The Greek literature says with eagerness and concentration, listen, he's poured over the perfect law and he's continued in it okay this is not a one-time shot this is no quick glance this guy's deadly serious he is literally making it his mission to really get into the Bible to get into God's law of freedom and most importantly no matter what it reflects back to him I've got to put this into action I've got to do it now I've got to do it continually because I want to be blessed that's the attitude you would expect of a Christian towards God's Word right and again it already fits the context of the other characteristics you can expect of a Christian according to God's Word. He's a good listener of God's Word, we saw. He's a good sponge of God's Word. He's a good follower. He's a good channel, okay? And so guess what? You expect him to have a good attitude towards God's Word and a good attitude towards putting it into action no matter what it reflects back, right? One guy says this is cool. He says, P- uh, in 1 Peter 2.2, you know where it says uh, Peter as newborn babes in Christ, brand new Christians, You're supposed to desire the pure milk of God's word, right? Listen to this. He goes this. He says, if you think about it, you don't have to teach a baby to like milk. You don't have to teach a baby to want to eat it. It wants to eat it as soon as it arrives and continues to want it. It's normal, expected hunger. And that's true of a believer who has truly been transformed by the word of truth. He becomes linked to the word of truth. And there's a very normal spiritual appetite towards the things of God. He said, if that appetite is there, uh, even though we don't always act like it, because again, we're not always perfect, right? But there's still an appetite there for the things of God. He says, that's indicative of a new birth. If it's not there, no matter how we may falsify it, that is indicative of the absence of a new birth, right? If you have no desire for the word of God, who gives a rip? I don't care. And James puts another one. You don't just don't follow it. You don't listen to it. You don't soak it up. You don't care if you're not a good channel of it, nothing. But here you are, you actually get to the point where you say, oh, really? And I'm not supposed to do that? So what? And walks away. Excuse me? That's abnormal. Just like a baby naturally, "Mm -hmm, I want the milk. And Peter uses that analogy, desire, crave the pure milk of God's word. You're a brand new baby, that's how you grow up. Do I really have to teach you to do that? Do I really have to give you a sermon on desiring the Word of God? Babies normally have milk. Right? That's what you'd expect from a real live baby. And that's why he's saying, this is what you expect of a real live Christian. Okay? How you react to it tells you their uh, spiritual identity. The fake Christian ignores what he saw, he's deceived, and he's in a heap of trouble. Because if you're not a Christian, where are you going? You're going to hell. And number two, if you're not a Christian and you think that God's word is not a law of freedom, but a law of bondage, then you're not going to follow the path that leads to freedom. And you're going to, even before you get to hell, you're going to have a horrible rotten life. Because God's way is the best way, okay? And that's what he's talking about here. Blessed is Makarios. We've seen that before. It is to be spiritually prosperous. The guy who follows this, he puts it into action and he is blessed in all that he does, okay? But this guy is a fake who walks away from it. Another guy says this. He says, don't just be a hearer of the word. Don't just attend services so you can hear somebody telling you about the word, like a Sunday school or a sermon or whatever, or a tape or an audio, whatever. Don't just be a hearer. He said, that's not enough. There are a lot of people who are curious about the truth. In fact, who are even fascinated by it. I can tell you stories, and we've talked about stories, of people who enter in the ministry uh, and they look at it just like it's a religious gig. I know people who really know the Bible backwards and forwards. I mean, they could quote, they can do that, they know it extremely well. But they don't know Jesus Christ. I've heard all kinds of testimonies of that. Because they look at it as just a religious book. They look at it as a historical book. They look at it like, well, I need to investigate this uh, from a historical perspective, uh, even a sociological perspective, because I need to get acquainted with the Bible because it's had such a profound influence on Western civilization. Therefore, they don't know Christ. I told you stories about guys who, who were uh, teaching, teaching a pastor's conference. And one of the pastors went up to that guy. After he was listening to this guy speak. We'll get to that in a second. Well, it was coming out of his mouth. And he's sitting there at that pastor's conference going. Is this guy even saved? This is the guy leading the conference. He goes up to him during one of the breaks. He actually begins to talk with him. Realizes the guy is not saved. He begins to witness to him. Praise God the guy got saved. But this is the guy who was leading the pastor's conference. And unless that pastor didn't go up there. And confront the guy leading the pastor's conference. He would have still been preaching pastors as a non-Christian. But he was a pastor. He got a degree somewhere. I've shared with you testimonies of people who have gone all the way in the seminary. I remember Dr. Couch sharing this story at Tyndale. And at a seminary one of the students had gone and was doing their doctorate, I forget where, uh, but one of the major seminaries in the country. And uh, at the end of the class when they're getting ready to graduate, right before graduation, at that last class there the professor raises his hand and says to the students, how many guys even believe this baloney before we dismiss? And he thought, oh, he's just joking, you know, whatever, whatever. And I told you the story before. And the guys, uh, almost all of them in the class, raised their hand, and then the professor raises his too. The guy said it stunned him so bad he literally just—he was like, "Am I in Twilight Zone?" He stumbles out into the hall. He's in just uh, befuddled. And it's like, is this really happening? Is this—is—is Candy is Camera going to come out? What's what's going on here? And this is really happening, right? And the guy he looked up to his professor. Just to think, it's all a bunch of baloney. He gets out there in the hall, and his two guys, one of his fellow students, are passing him by, and they're just laughing, yucking it up, and the guy says, well, yeah, I just figured, you know, this would be a, a, a good gig, you know, a good way to earn a living. They're graduating from seminary at doctoral level. It's just a book. Who cares? Folks, this happens all the time. And James says, listen, if that's your attitude towards the Word of God, something's wrong. Okay? He said, a picture is not complete, however, until you see in their life the evidence that they're not only hearing it, but they're living it. Okay? We don't do it perfect, but is there that hunger? Okay? Is there that conviction? Okay? Those who don't, James says, you deceive yourself. Okay? Now, it's not only dangerous, this kind of behavior. You literally would sit there, even go through seminary the whole time, looking at the mirror, looking at the mirror, studying about the mirror, taking tests on the mirror, graduating with a degree about the mirror. And literally walking away. That's not only dangerous, okay? But if you think about it from God's perspective, he who is holy, and he left behind us the holy Bible, okay, to produce holiness by his Holy Spirit in us. This kind of behavior is kind of gross. When you look at the, I couldn't wait to get this. We talked about earwax last week. This week we get to talk about boogers. This is awesome. Turn to somebody and say, don't get a booger on your face. Praise God one person did it. Okay, but anyway, okay, and this is really cool because the whole thing is wrapped around this analogy of how not just dangerous this is, this is gross, is with a mirror. And if you think about the properties of a mirror, we all have a mirror and we all have a mirror in the bathroom, which is right next to your bedroom, which is the place where you go to sleep. So that's the first place you get up in the morning, you go straight to the, by and large, the, the mirror typically, right? And you, what's the whole purpose of looking into that mirror? Let's be honest, okay? This is kind of funny, but it's honest. The whole purpose into looking into that mirror is so that you don't leave your house, go out into the world, and freak people out. Right? you got to make sure that you didn't have broccoli still stuck in your teeth from the night before. Right? Uh, that you don't have that blob of earwax, you know, hanging out. <clears throat> I need to get rid of that thing. That you don't have something stuck on your head. Or, dare I say, it could happen to folks. How many of you guys would love to go out in the world with a big old booger stuck on your face? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be something cool? That statement there. Well, believe it or not, this actually happened at a place I worked with. <laughs> and follow, just hang with me. Uh, hopefully, it makes sense in a little bit. <laughs> it was at the place I worked at uh, while I was going about college at night, and I had a fellow employee there. And we it was during break time, so we're all just kind of sitting in chairs, uh, talking to each other and stuff. And so we get there, and we're talking, and I'm looking at the one one guy, and I'm going, "Whoa, whoa!" And <laughs> no, that's not what that is. And it was. Guy had a big old booger, right? It wasn't quite out of his nose; it was just about ready to come out, but it was hanging on a nose hair. But what grabbed my attention was, but as he breathed, it went wee hoo, wee hoo. So this little—it wasn't just the nose hair, but it was just like this little Christmas ornament, you know, thing hanging down. ah, And so that got my attention. Now, would that not get your attention? Okay. Well, I think because it went whee hoo, wee hoo, you know, and that's apparently the noise it made, Bobby. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That he could kind of feel it, right? Cause you can kind of, okay, that's getting that's getting his attention. Well, he went like this and he kind of went that and he got it off, at least off the nose hair from going here. Now it was stuck on his face right about here. Right? And we're trying to have a conversation with this guy and the whole thing's going to start out here now similar, right? And we're trying, you know, these guys, what do you do? You're trying not to laugh. You're trying to carry on the conversation and in the back of my head I'm going, "Man, does he not feel that?" <laughs> You know, and uh, so he gets there and as a conversation, I think he could feel it, kind of still on his face. So he would just, as we're talking, he would just, and then move that. And it started to migrate. It migrated all over his face because he can kind of feel something's there. And so that thing went, it's like, all, it traveled all over his cheek, right? And so we finished up with that. And one lesson that I learned from that is um, I really wasn't a friend to that guy. Because I've learned that true friends tell their friends when they got a booger on their face. Amen. You know what I'm saying? You don't let them continue to go, hey, let alone the migration of the booger. Right? You don't do that. Okay? And uh, this is what God, I said all that to get this, believe it or not, okay? so now you can remember this analogy. This is what God is doing, listen, when we read His Word. This is not just for some historical figures. This is not some popcorn knowledge so you can get the answer right on Jeopardy or Bible Bibleopoly and play that game and impress your friends. right? No. God's reflection is causing you to look in the mirror and he's saying, listen, Bobby, you got a booger on your face. Do you really want to go out in the world looking like that? Right? That's what he's saying. Okay, and James is saying, listen, this, if you think about it, is a normal response. God's word is not being our enemy. He's being our friend. He's being that guy that says, listen, there's something on your face. You're not going to go out there like that, especially representing me, are you? Come on, you're my kid. Get the booger off your face. Get the ball of earwax. Get the sinful broccoli out of your teeth. Don't, uh, Don't leave your house until you take care of what I just exposed to you. That's what he's saying. And just as it's common sense, right? If you literally went and woke up in this morning and you saw a booger on your cheek, what would you do? you get it off! In fact, you'd make sure you really got it off. You'd scrape it extra hard, you'd do some soap, do a fresh thing, just get it off! What would be abnormal is if you looked at that thing, and it was there, and it was like, whoa, whoa, how'd that get there, whoa, okay, let's go. That's what he's saying. This is so abnormal for somebody to sit there and say with your mouth, "Oh, I'm a Christian. I love God's word. I'm a sponge. I follow it. I'm a channel of it." Oh, and God's word says, "Hey, you have got sin all over your face." No, no big deal. Hi, right, honey. Let's go. And you do that every single week. And you do that every single week. And you do that week. Whoa. That's abnormal. Okay, the normal response is you look intently at that thing. Ooh, what what No. Is that really what it is? Yes. Are you serious? No, come on. How did that happen? Because he's looking intently, the Greek says. Are you serious? Should I get him back? Honey, honey, come here. Look at this. Is that what I think it is? Are you serious? What? No. Yeah. Kids, get over here. Get over. Dogs, look (laughs) at that. What? 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 I mean, you're serious about this. uh, Oh, you've got to be. Man, praise God. I saw this before I left the house. Get it off. That's normal, and that's what James is saying. Okay, God illuminates, and we get rid of it. Really neat word, actually, kind of coincides with what Paul says uh, elsewhere to Timothy, and it's a Greek word, "cosmeo." Okay, he talks about this. First uh, Timothy chapter two, verse eight through ten. He says, "Therefore, I want men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands, without wrath and dissension. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves." Now that's the Greek word "cosmeo," where we get the word "cosmetics." Right? Your face. Cosmetic, right? Cosmetics, okay, with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly. Not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works. Why? As is proper for a woman making a claim, you're saying it with your mouth, to godliness. In other words, you're sitting there saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. As a guy or a gal... Well, as men, I want holy hands lifted up in worship. As ladies, I don't want you just to be concerned about the outside, that cosmetic stuff, okay? He says, I want the inside right. Don't just be concerned about the outside. Okay, I want the inside. So there isn't a point where this Christian says, we are concerned about the cosmetics, okay? A fake Christian isn't worried at all about their spiritual cosmetics. They walk away and say, booger schmooger, I don't care. They literally walk away. Listen, they are listening to the sermon. They're attending Bible study. They're attending Sunday school. And the word of God reveals to them, listen, you've got something nasty on your face. You've got something horrible all over you. And they literally walk away and say, booger, smugger, listen to this. What's for lunch? Anybody know what time the game starts? I gotta rip and get home, man. I got a lot of yard work to do. God's word just illuminated to you. There is something that is stuck on you. And it's not like gross from my perspective, but you're supposed to be a reflection of me and you're professing that you're my child, right? Moms, if you saw your kids with something on their face, they're getting ready to go out. What do you do? You spray that off, you wipe it off with a wash rag and if you don't have that around, you lick your thumb and you make sure, get it off. You ain't going outside with that as my child, Right? And that's what God's doing with his word. But can you imagine how many people think about this? Every week, if the word of God is preached, that's the other problem, isn't it? And God's word illuminates. Nope, that's sin. Nope, that's sin. Nope, that's sin. Nope, that's sin. Nope, that's, nope Don't stop that. Nope, that's a booger. That's a sin. That's a bin. That's an earwax. That's sin. That's sin. Get that. And every week, it could be one time during a sermon. It could be a couple times during a sermon. It could be during Sunday school or whatever. And every single time they just walk away and their biggest concern is, I've got to hurry up and get home. I got to go feed the dog. I got to get to lunch. I got. You know what James is saying? You just looked into the mirror. You just looked into the mirror, and said "booger schmoger." I don't care. Now, can I tell you something? With all due respect, that seems to be the attitude of many people today in the American church. Which then makes you realize, according to the Word of God, according to James, how many booger-faced, professing Christians are there going to church services? Right? Because every week when the Word of God is preached, they could give a rip. They don't change. Who cares? I don't care. I'm satisfied with this booger on my face. Now, it's gotten so bad, as we've seen before, now these same people are demanding that the people up here don't preach the mirror. Don't tell me i got a booger on my face. Knock it off. You only tell me that that's a mighty fine booger on your face. Learn to have a better booger. (laughs) You see how bad it is? See, you guys just ain't getting it. Maybe it's a guy analogy. Or maybe you guys are freaking out going, do I really have a booger on my face? (laughs) This is what James is saying. Isn't it amazing? So the normal response James is saying, just as if you wake up and you have a booger on your face. You get that thing off. You do what it says. Get it off. And you'll be blessed for it. Nobody will point that out. So it is when God's word convicts you. You say, thank you, God. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for illuminating that. Thank you for showing me that. I, I was, I, at first I was like, oh, no, no, no. Are you serious? Did I get caught up in that? Did I fall for that? Have I been doing that lately? Oh, God, thank you for loving me enough. To show me that. Because I want to put what you say in action. Because I was starting to head down a path that was going to destroy me. Thank you. That's what you'd expect in, in, in the Christian saying. But that's not all. Not only can you tell, listen, a fake Christian uh, by uh, the boogers on the face. But you can also tell by the uh, words uh, coming out of their mouth. Okay, the words coming out of their mouth. Verse 26, he says this. Now, not only that, if that that mirror analogy didn't get you, if you're going to sit there and say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, okay? And you just listen to God's word, you don't put it into action, uh, and uh, you deceive yourselves, and also if you uh, say that you're a Christian, but uh, every time God's word illuminates something sinful in your life, and you do nothing, okay, you deceive yourself, I'm sorry, it ain't happening, it's not true. He says this, also the things that are coming out of your mouth. People speak long enough, they're going to reveal who they really are. Verse 26, if anyone considers himself religious, I'd say in the context, a true born-again Christian, and yet, here's another acid test, they do not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he what? That's another way you can deceive yourself. You're fake. And your religion, quote, your profession, is worthless, Okay, so he gives us another indicator. He says of how a person you can sit there and profess this whole time that you're a Christian. All right, you've already failed the other ones. Okay, but how many times do we resist God's word? You don't listen to God's word. You can give a rip about God's word. You don't soak up God's word. You do only want preachers to tell you that that booger looks awesome. Okay, fluff. Okay, Uh, you don't soak it up. You don't follow it. Uh, You don't care that sin is blocking you from hearing him. And you look at the reflection. You walk away. Your only biggest concern is, oh, what's for lunch? Okay, and then then if that still doesn't get you, he says, listen, you can sit there and say all you want that you're a Christian. You could say that with your mouth. But God hears and he sees everything. But sooner or later, what comes out of your mouth is going to reveal even that. And he says the acid test is the tongue. Now, why the tongue? Because the scripture says elsewhere, the tongue is an indicator of your heart. Open your Bibles real quick to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Verses 43 through 45. And that we're going to take a look at a tree and fruit. And Jesus is going through a bunch of dichotomies here. The tree, good tree, bad tree. Okay. Wise builder, foolish builder. Okay. Can I say something? True or false? Okay. False teacher, good teacher. Right. So here's the dichotomy. And he's going to this dichotomy. He's going to tell you, how do you know between a tree? Whether it's a good tree or a fake tree. Okay, same thing James is doing. How do you know between what's true and what's not? Who's real, who's not? Here's what he says, verse 43. No one, no good tree bears what? Bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree what? Bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Okay, people do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good that's stored up in his where? heart. He switches gears on. He says, just as a tree internally produces fruit, and that fruit... Once it appears on the outside is going to be good or bad fruit, right? Where's that fruit? It's generated from within. Now he says, I just gave you that visual, that parable of the physical for something that is internal. He said, so a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, how do you know what's really in that guy's heart? It's coming out of your mouth, right? The mouth gives it away. And that's what James is saying. Your your words give it away whether you're true or not. Sooner or later, your identity, you can sit there and profess, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But sooner or later, out of the abundance of the heart, it's going to produce. One guy says this. He says, you want to know whether you're a doer? Listen to what you say. Listen to your conversation. Listen to your words. Listen to your jokes. Listen to your retics. Listen to your conversations. What comes out of your mouth? You got lustful things coming out of your mouth? Ungodly things? Is it things that are God-honoring? Do they lift up Christ? Is your speech seasoned with grace? Because when you're an obedient believer, and you're not just taking the word in, but you're putting it back out with your mouth, it will show up in your speech because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And that's what we're seeing here. This guy, he's been a listener. If you're a true Christian, you've listened to God's word. You've soaked up God's word. See, where's that go? It goes into your mind, goes into your heart. And so you're absorbed with God's word. You want to be a channel of God's word. I love God's word. I'm chewing on God's word. I'm following God's word. And when he points out sin to me, yeah, thank you God. And you put that into action. So then therefore that person must, if he's a true Christian and he's really doing all those attributes, he's got an abundant supply of God's word where? So then when hard times come or some circumstance squeezes him like a sponge, what would you expect to come out? God's word. Now, even as Christians, we know that sometimes, when you're squeezed, you almost want to say something that's not God and God. Right? Now, notice I hesitated. I'm not saying sometimes we don't blow it, and we'll get to that in a second, hopefully. But he says there. But there's something inside of you that's restraining you. Uh, And that's what he's saying. You really got the word of God in your mouth. By and large, when you get squeezed, the word of God comes out. That's what you expect from a true Christian who really is ingesting God's word. But he says there, he also keeps a tight rein. Can I just give you the visual again? Tight rein. How, How? That's what you expect for the Christian. You got a tight rein on your tongue. Right? So you not only put forth God's word, you can keep your mouth shut when you need to, by and large. Okay? This man's religion, though, who can't do that is... Blah, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You, oh yeah, you said that to me. Blah, blah, blah. He said, this man's religion is absolutely useless. Corrupt, unholy speech betrays a corrupt, unholy heart. You can tell about a person by what they say if you listen long enough. Oh, you might not hear it the first time. You might hear a whole lot of religious nonsense. You know, Christianese. I've been baptized, sanctified. I've been glorified. I've been all this fried, 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 deep fried meat, fried, fried, fried chicken, fried chicken, fried, fried fried. What? What does that mean? I don't know. But I've been sanctified. I've been right. You can see all the right stuff. You know how to speak Christianese, right? Does that make you a Christian? No. And so, how many times have you ever met somebody that they might come and they're, they're just like a flash in the pan? They show up. Oh, they're on fire for Jesus. They're going with all this, whatever. Blah blah blah. Psh, they're gone two weeks later. Well, what happened to you, Mr. On-Fire Christian? Or somebody went, oh yeah, they're great, awesome, we we'll love you guys, you guys are great, you're incredible, and awesome stuff. But then if somebody dared look at them cross-eyed, <laughs> what? Where'd that come from? What happened to all the godliness? Oh, you spoke the right words. But you just revealed to me your heart. Right? And that's what he's saying. He says, oh, you might not hear it the first time. You hear a lot of religious nonsense, but it will come out. It doesn't matter how much you pray, how much head knowledge you have, how often you attend church services, the truth will eventually be known with your mouth. If you got a bunch of baloney come out of your mouth. In fact, uh, uh, Paul uh, Paul says this to Timothy elsewhere. I'll just read it. 2 Timothy 2, 16-17. He says, uh, in the J.B. Phillips translation, he says, Steer clear of unchristian babblings. Just a bunch of nonsense. Blah, 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 blah. UnChristian, Right? Why? He says, Because they are dangerous as blood poisoning to the body and they spread like sepsis from a wound. That kind of stuff penetrates. It's gross. Sepsis from a wound, by the way, is pus. Right? And we talked about this before. It's, um, can you imagine chumming up with somebody who not only... Now let's put this all together, Bobby. This is good. This is a good one. This will get your gut going. Hi. How would you like to have this as a greeter at sunrise? (laughs) Our tendons would go way down. (laughs) And they open their mouth. And they got broccoli in their teeth. Right? And they laugh. And all of a sudden it makes this little thing go. And they got a nose cracker going out their mouth. Right? And then when they smile. (laughs) There's maggots and pus coming out their lips. (laughs) Hi, welcome to sunrise. See, we don't see that in the natural. Praise God. But from God's perspective, he sees these spiritual elements. People who profess to know him, they know the Christianese. Oh, I've been back thank you, fine, whatever. Right? may not even be born again. And from his vantage point, because he sees all this, And what he sees from the reflection of his word is like, oh, there is a greeter there with a nose cracker. And broccoli in their teeth. And there's maggots coming out of their mouth. No wonder that church is messed up. Can you believe that? Isn't that wild? Can you imagine chumming up with somebody like that? And this is what James is saying. James is saying, these people, I don't care how much you say you're a Christian. But if you can't stand God's word and you actually get mad at God's word and you, you get mad at the reflection or literally walk away and act like it's no big deal and then you sit there and say you're a Christian but what comes out of your mouth is harmful, hurtful, rotten, maggot stuff. Excuse me, something ain't right. Paul sets the line. Let me give you the the, the word there. The keep a tight rein on his tongue. Tight rein is a really neat word. It's chilingueo. And it means to bridle, to guide, to hold in check or restrain. It's like a horse's bridle. Right? Okay, so in other words, this guy, the true Christian, whose religion is not worthless, i.e. he's true. Okay? This guy has his mouth under control. His mouth may not be perfect, but his mouth does not master him. There's a check in there that at least, hopefully most of the time, Keeps him from uh, inserting his foot into his mouth. Now the Christian, here's our mandate. Paul says, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Listen, he's saying, listen, Christians, how do you know that, Christian, that by and large the track record The track records are your words are clean. Your words are wholesome. Your words are helpful. Your words build each other up. And they are to benefit one another. Why? Because listen in the context of proving that you're real. It's the same thing that God's word does for us. God's Word is clean, is it not? God's Word is wholesome, right? God's Word is helpful. God's Word builds us up. God's Word is for our benefit. Therefore, a true Christian who really loves God's Word, and who is being a good listener of God's Word, a sponge of God's Word, a follower of God's Word, a channel of God's Word, a reflector of God's words, uses the power of your words to share that with other people. Is that really a foreign concept? No, that's exactly what you would expect. If you're really soaking up God's Word as a true born-again Christian, people squeeze you, or even not being squeezed, out of the abundance of your heart. Word of God's coming out, man. And if the Word of God's trying not to come out something else, you got a bridle on that baby. Is that really that foreign? Oh, you're getting legalistic. No, I'm not. That's kind of what you would expect from a Christian. True Christians... When we gather together, our tongues should be reflecting God's word. That's what he's saying. Not hurting each other. And can I just say something like this? And I'll get to the text here in a second. Not even a bunch of worldly stuff. I'm not going to get legalistic on that because you get people, don't you dare ever go bowling. Because we, and people used to do this in the church not that long ago. Because if you go bowling, that black ball's got a sheen on it. And if you roll that ball down that alley and it rolls like that, there's this sheen right there. It looks like an eye. And that's the eye of the devil rolling down the eye. And you cannot fall. Okay, I don't think that's, you know, the eye of the devil. <laughs> a bowling ball. Okay. And there's a balance to that. Now, some people will go bowling and then they'll go get sh- schnookered and you-, you hear some foul language and, and get drunk. So I'm not... Throwing the baby out the bathwater. But by and large, you can, have, you, can, you can start getting legalistic. But here's my point. By and large, the pattern of what comes out of your mouth as a Christian should be God's word if you're really soaking it up. Okay? It's not going to be hurtful words, it's not just going to be a bunch of worldly conversation. Right? With all due respect, I got better things to talk about than what happened to Britney Spears. And if I'm going to talk about Britney Spears, I'm going to pray that God saves her soul. Right? And all this gossip and what's some of the hottest stuff that people are addicted to on TV. What's going on in Hollywood, Hollywood? this is gossip stuff. That's the stuff. and you hear what happened. That's, what? That's not normal. In fact, Paul says, you should even get rid of, of coarse joking. listen to this. Ephesians chapter five. In fact, let's go there real quick. Ephesians chapter five, verse one through four. Listen to what Paul says. Verse 1 through 4. And again, he sets the, the standard for us. Okay, He says this. Uh, he says, a verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Be imitators of who? God. Right? Not the world. Imitators, can I use this word in the context of what we're looking at? Be reflectors of who? Who are you to reflect? God. Okay, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you, Christian, true Christian, uh, there must not even be a what? Not even a hint, excuse me, of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed. Why? Because these are improper. That's foreign. That's abnormal for God's what kind of people? Holy people. Nor should there be, now he starts to move in what comes out of your mouth, right? Nor should there be, what? Obscenity? There shouldn't be foolish talk? Not even, what? Coarse joking. Why? Because these are out of place. Here's what should be coming out of your mouth. Rather, thanksgiving. Okay? And he goes on and says, that's not proper, obviously. uh, And don't fool yourself. Those people who are involved in that, uh, it ain't going to happen. Okay? Why? Why? He says, that's not normal, okay? If your heart is really full of God's word, then what you're going to pour out is God's word. Not foolish talk, not obscenities, not even coarse joking. Hey, did you hear about the three guys, the rabbi, the... I am still amazed at that, personally. And then I'm still amazed that people would come up to me and try to share that with me. I've even had to get over to the point... Wait a second, okay, dude, you you know... And maybe I attract it myself, because I always start off with a corny joke. Let's say, whoa, 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 dude... Okay, if I can share that from the pulpit, why'd you just share that to me for? That yeah, was funny. <laughs> yeah, but it was rotten. Would you share that if Jesus was right here? Oh, can I tell you something? He's omnipresent. He is. <laughs> that doesn't convict you? What? Excuse me? That's not normal. That's not right. That's not what Christians do. Our words are to reflect God's word, and they benefit those around us, okay? And again, not only. Uh, did I pose a question earlier? How many booger faced professing Christians are there going to church services? Okay, but how many Christians, professing Christians, have this magus pus stuff coming out of their mouth? And how many things that you and I have, uh, get sucked into a position to defend people who aren't even Christians? Right? If somebody says, "Hey Pastor Billy, that person had a booger," or "Hey Pastor Billy, that person they talked to me and maggots came out," hey, yeah, you're right. You know what? That is gross. I'm not going to defend it. And of course, what I mean is sin. Hey, Pastor Billy, that person sin, did something sinful to me. Hey, Pastor Billy, that person said something sinful to me. Yeah, you're right. It's rotten. What's the Bible say? You go to that person, let's deal with it biblically. Whatever, and then you go to them, etc., and go down that route. But how many times do we get blamed for stuff of people who probably may not, I don't know the heart, only God does, who don't know Jesus Christ. The whole theme of this book is that when you get out into the world church, finally, I want the real deal portrayed. Listen to this. Uh, One Sunday, a restaurant manager designated two rooms as non-smoking section to accommodate churchgoers who come in for a bite to eat after their morning services. And the busboy there said he was glad to see a large number of non-smoking Christians, but then he added, he says, listen, they may not smoke, but you ought to hear them gossip. And then he said this, if we had a non-gossip a gossip section, nobody would be there. Even the world picks up on this. Even the world knows that's not normal. If you're going to sit there and say that you're a Christian, then don't have the sinful booger on your face. Everybody knows that. That's common sense. If you're going to sit there and say that you're a Christian, then there shouldn't be maggots coming out of your mouth. And you don't think it's a big deal. That's not normal. And that's why James says elsewhere, James 3, 9 through 11, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursings. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh and salt water flow from the same spring? No. My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? No, neither can a salt uh, pr- uh, spring produce fresh water. In other words, neither can you sit there and say that you're a Christian and you can give a rip about the sin that God reflects to you out of His Word. Neither can you sit there and say that you're a Christian and not control anything that comes out of your mouth. If all it is is a bunch of ungodly, maggot-filled, sinful, hurtful, rotten stuff, I'm sorry, James says, something's not right. Just as salt water, uh-uh. You're never going to get fresh out of the salt water. Just as a fig tree doesn't bear olives, neither should you walk around acting like sin is not a big deal you see that God's word reflects that in his word you walk away forget what you saw hey what's for lunch and then when you go out to lunch it's just a bunch of gossip and non-ungodly rotten stuff James would say this your religion is worthless you're fake you're deceiving yourself James says this the word worthless is this Matthias in the Greek and it literally means useless, vain, and futile in other words give it up you're not fooling anybody except yourself. Well, you might fool the church. But you're not fooling God. And you're in a heap of trouble. You're deceiving yourself. Now, we'll close with this. That's kind of a scary standard, isn't it? Right? Because sometimes we do walk around and try to justify the boogers on our face. Well, it's a... It's a it's a beauty mole. Yes, allergies, that's a good one. I've heard, oh, well, I'm Irish. So Irish people have boogers on their hands. Right? Or sometimes we do blow it with our mouth, don't we? Sucked up into gossip or, or just say things to hurt other people. And supposed to be... One guy says this. He says, boy, he says, you put this in the context. He says, I look at my life and I'm saying, well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes my mouth says things that I shouldn't say. And he says, my answer to that is this. When you discover that that has happened, or you see that there's a booger on your face, what is your reaction? If your reaction is, I need to do something about this, then that is the wavelength that is indicating of a a genuine heart. Okay. If your reaction is, I don't need to do anything about this, who cares about this? He says, that's an indicator of an unregenerate heart. If your reaction is, I hate that in me. I don't like that on me. He said, that's the reaction of a redeemed heart. He says, listen. He said, it's not our perfection that proves our salvation. It's the reaction to our imperfection. And just, as the, uh, just look at the normal pattern of life. Is the normal pattern of your life, as you look at your own heart, a tongue that speaks good things, pure things, upright things, honorable things, honest things, and clean things? Because every once in a while, the flesh comes through too. But is the pattern of your life that which is to do right and do you desire to honor God with your life and with your mouth? If so, that's what you expect from a transformed heart. That's what James is saying. That's what you expect. But that's not all. You can only spot a fake Christian by the boogers on their faith and the maggots coming out of their mouth. Lord willing, next week, we finish up. Lord willing. Chapter one, verse 27. The coldness in your heart. You refuse to share God's love. The same love that he shared with you. You refuse to share it with those in need around you. That's not what you'd expect from a Christian. And that's what we'll see Lord willing next time. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness... We're not holy, we're not perfect like Him. Uh, Let's take a a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, The Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie.